Elijah ascends to heaven in a whirlwind, and his spirit is passed on to Elisha, his successor. A reading from the second book of Kings. Now when the Lord is about to take Elijah up to heaven by a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Jigal. Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. But Elisha said, As the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. The company of prophets who were in Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that today the Lord will take your master away from you? He, and he said, Yes, I know. Keep silent. Elijah said to him, Elisha, stay here, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But he said, As the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. The company of prophets who were in Jericho drew near Elisha and said to him, Do you know that today the Lord will take your master away from you? And he answered, Yes, I know. Be silent. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. But he said, As the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. Fifty men of the company of prophets also went and stood at some distance from them, as they both were standing by the Jordan. Then Elijah took his mantle and rolled it up and struck the water. The water was parted to the one side and to the other until two of them crossed on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me what I may do for you before I mean taken from you. Elisha said, Please let me inherit a, a double share of your spirit. He responded, You have asked a hard thing, yet if you see me as I am being taken from you, it will be granted you. If not, it will not. As they continued walking and talking, a chariot of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them, and Elijah ascended into a whirlwind into heaven. Elijah kept watching and crying out, Father, Father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. But when he could no longer see him, he grasped his own clothes and tore them into pieces. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. The psalm appointed for this morning is Psalm 50, verses 1 through 6, found on page 4 of your service bulletin. Would you please stand and sing? Yes. Mm-hmm. 
the gospel is clear to all who are destined for salvation. It is only those whose minds are closed to Christ who cannot comprehend the good news. A reading from the second letter of Paul to the Corinthians. If our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. We do not proclaim ourselves. We proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your slaves for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, and who who has shown in our hearts to give the light of knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel of our Savior Jesus Christ according to Mark. Glory Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became dazzling white, such as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say, for they were terrified. Then a cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud there came a voice, This is my son, the beloved, listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they saw no one with them anymore, but only Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, he ordered them to tell no one about what they had seen until after the Son of Man had risen from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Be seated, please. We always hear this um, story read from one of the Gospels, the story of Jesus' transfiguration. Um, The Sunday before we go into Lent, I think the people who designed the lectionary intended for it to be kind of an encouragement to us, knowing that we were about to enter into this long, um, supposedly penitential and dry season, um, giving us hope for Easter yet to come. I noticed um, it's interesting that the three people there on the mountain, um, Jesus, Moses, and Elijah, are all people who have heard the voice of God on the mountain. You know the story of Moses. He goes up the mountain um, to receive the law. Um, He's on the mountain, guess how many days? Yes, 40 days. And um, the cloud comes. There's a volcanic eruption for all intents and purposes, a great storm. Stones are split. And God speaks to him out out of the storm and gives him the law. Elijah, on the other hand, after his contest with the prophets of Baal, has to run away and goes into the desert, and he's in the desert, guess how many days? Yes, indeed, 40 days, and goes up the mountain, and there is the great volcanic eruption and the thunderstorm and all of that, but God is not in any of that. God is in the still, small voice, which gives him instructions on what to do. So Moses receives the law. Elijah receives instructions. 
Jesus goes up the mountain with Peter, James, and John and comes the cloud over him and the voice says, This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. Peter, James, and John, of course, don't get it. Peter wants to build three booths there. I have a friend who's journeyed to the Holy Land and has been up Mount Tabor, and she said the Franciscans have built three chapels on Mount Tabor out of cinder block. They didn't get it either. Um, Peter wants to stay. James and John get down the mountain and immediately ask Jesus whether they can sit when he comes in his glory, one at his right and one at his left hand. That's not the point. Elijah, in the story we heard in the Old Testament, goes out into the desert with Elisha and is taken directly into heaven um, in the chariots of fire. Um, There's no grave for him. You can't find the grave for Elijah. He has gone straight to heaven. Moses went up the mountain, Mount Nebo, and looked over into the promised land, and then we're told he died, but no one knows where his body is. By the time of Jesus, there was a tradition that Moses also was assumed into heaven. So not only do we have these three people on the top of the mountain who heard the voice, two of them ascend directly into heaven without dying, but not Jesus. He comes back down the mountain, and we know what happens when he comes down the mountain. He begins his journey towards Jerusalem to die. So Jesus is different than these other two. I'm convinced that one of the purposes of Mark's gospel was as pre-baptismal instruction for Christians. They would have spent a long time studying it and then would have heard it read cover to cover Saturday night in the dark before their baptism on Easter Sunday morning. Imagine how you would hear this gospel waiting in the dark for your baptism. One of the first things that you hear is Jesus' baptism in the Jordan River. And as he comes up out of the water, the spirit descends like a dove, and the voice comes that says, This is my son, the chosen, with him I am well pleased. And then what happens? He's driven out into the wilderness for how many days? Yes, you guessed it, 40 days. All three of these are connected that way too. And he fasts for 40 days, comes to know his dependence on God in a way that few of us ever have to. And then you might kind of get a little bit sleepy as the story goes on until you get to this point where they're up on the mountain and there comes that voice again. This is my son, the beloved, listen to him. This is you. This is me. This is us in our baptism. That's what we're supposed to carry away from this. Unlike Moses and Elijah, we're not going to ascend directly to heaven. We have to come back down that mountain and go on our way to Jerusalem. Part of what Mark knew might happen to these Christians was that they would be asked to suffer martyrdom for their belief. Mark's gospel is a way of nerving them up. Don't be like Peter, who denied Jesus on that last day. Don't be like James and John, thinking you're going to sit at the right and left hand of Jesus in his glory. But instead, come back down and live in this life, knowing full well what it brings. So the question we ask, what does it mean to be transfigured? We tend not to think of ourselves like that. Somebody else might reflect Christ to us, but surely we're never transfigured, right? Who, me? We're afraid to shine. Um, Jesus, we're told, his clothes shine, dazzling white. 
What does it mean to shine with God's glory for someone else? In some situations, that's easy to imagine. You're going through the checkout line, and the person who's checking you out is having a really bad day and being kind of rude to you. And you try and be cheerful back and improve their day. Well, that's one thing. It's much harder to deal with people that really make us angry. It's much harder to deal with people who show us our own need of God. The clients that feed my people, we want to blame them for their own, this is their fault for their their being in this situation because it shows us that there but for the grace of God go I. Jesus is driven after his baptism out into the desert to know his dependence on God and his dependence on everyone else. How are we transformed? How are we transfigured? How do we show the light of Christ to one another? By knowing our need of each other, taking that seriously. We're coming into Lent, the 40 days of Lent. People often take on a discipline during Lent. They give up something like meat on Fridays, or Cookie was telling me that around St. Louis it used to be that you'd give up watermelon during Lent. Yeah, well, who gets watermelon? Easy thing to do. It's not to make us uncomfortable or to suffer. It's to make life just a little bit inconvenient to remind ourselves that we depend on God and each other. Take on a discipline not of giving something up, but of doing something extra. It's one thing to bring a can, and that's very important um, to do, and and Phyllis told us at 8 o'clock that Feed My People now has enough food, so keep it up, bring your can. It's another thing to come face-to-face with people and to know our need of them. How are we transfigured? How do we shine the light of Christ to other people? By knowing our need of them and theirs of us. During this Lent, take on a discipline that shows you your need of other people so that you can shine Christ's glory to them and they to you. Amen. Amen.